0: a movie is one of the most difficult things that you can do as an artist. Um, Someone told me once that film directing is the whitewater rafting of an art career, and uh, I really liked that comparison Um, because it requires you to do so many different things in theory, especially when you're a new director, right? So in theory, you know how to put together an action series. In theory, you know how to get the right amount of coverage for a scene. In theory, you know how to find the actors that will portray, embody the characters that are on the page. All of that stuff is in theory. Um, And hopefully, if you get a chance to convince somebody to try out your theories, you learn from those theories. And hopefully in the process of learning with those, you find an audience and people like enjoy your work. People want to go for the ride of learning with you as you continue to explore new stories, you continue to dive deeper into narratives in other people's lives. Um, It's a weird job, it really is. Um, But I love it to pieces. And when I do it, I am the happiest person on the planet and when i'm not doing it i'm probably the most miserable person on the planet and i've been working on that um but and looking back on my directing career um one of the most difficult things that i had to learn under the gun was directing a sex scene and i remember my first sex scene which was a very explicit one it was years ago. I was barely in my 30s at that point, and I had to, A, try to stay confident with what my vision was, B, translate some very explicit things to strangers, actors. Some of them were non-actors, um, and you're trying to convey a very personal thing to these folks that you have just met or that I had just met. And it was difficult for me. It really was because when you start to talk about sex with anybody, it's taboo, right? And you're concerned, you may be concerned personally with being judged, right? Because if you start to bring certain things up, if you start to say, hey, I imagine that these two characters did this then you're like, well, is this person thinking that I've done this before? Or do I not know enough about this and that person has had more experience and do they think less of me because I am not portraying this correctly? There's a whole lot of self-doubt that comes with it because ultimately, let's be real, uh, we find it traditionally uh, and through history, we found it difficult to talk about sex and sex has been a very taboo subject. Um, And, uh, you know, sex has been controlled and manipulated uh, by religions, by cultures. Um, And so we're in this period now where we're able to sort of express ourselves differently. There is this push and this need to create safe environments, uh, not only physically safe environments, but also mentally safe environments in which we can explore these things. Well, let me get to the point. Uh, Today's episode is a great one for me because it stems from my curiosity. I heard about uh, a new position, a newer position in the film industry, um, an intimacy coordinator. Now, this is uh, a role that I knew nothing about. I think my first knee-jerk reactions when I heard this role were, um... I don't know, sort of, I don't want to say jaded, sort of cynical, right? Cynical is the correct word because I was like, okay, so here's a position that was created uh, by the studios in direct response to all of the bad press, to all of the horrible accusations and uh, horrible truths that were exposed uh, through the B2 movement, through the fucking horrible events that happened with that Harvey asshole that did all his shit. Um, And so now here comes a hall monitor, right? Here comes somebody that will show up on set and be monitoring whether or not uh, this will lead to legal cases, whether or not the right things are said, and et cetera, et cetera. So that was my first knee-jerk, cynical reaction to it. Fortunately for me, I have this show, which I love, um, and I knew that like I was going to get uh, an intimacy coordinator on this show. So hold off on my judgment, Michael. This was this is uh, you know older Michael talking. Hold off on your judgment, and let's actually get someone on the show and find out about it. Is this a legitimate position? Is this something that is going to put a roadblock between my creativity and the actors? Is this somebody that I'm going to have to speak through to talk to my actors when it comes to a sex scene? What does all this mean? Um, So I did a little bit of research and I was looking around and hunting for um, the rights coordinator for the show. And uh, luckily, um, it was fate, really. Uh, because today's guest reached out to me she wrote to me cold and she said hey i love your show um i noticed that you haven't had an intimacy coordinator on i'd love to come on and talk about this stuff i swear to christ like it just it happened it was fate and i and and for the first time ever i didn't have to do the hard work (laughs) i was like oh fuck yes i've been wanting this of course immediately I wrote back to her. I think I got the text when I was standing in line to go to the tool show and I was hanging out with my buddy Lance and I was like, oh shit, dude. Yes. Yes. I'd like to have you on the show. Um, And believe me, I take full advantage of it today because uh, so many of us, and I know a lot of you listening have absolutely no fucking idea what an intimacy coordinator does. Right. And so the episode, I just finished recording it. It's fantastic, we dive in deep on this. So today's guest is Jessica Erin Bennett. Uh, She is an intimacy coordinator. She's also a stunt person, stunt coordinator. She has been working on sets for years. Uh, Right now she's down in Atlanta working. So all of you Atlanta crew people, all you Atlanta listeners, this is a big shout out to you guys. Um, She is a professional certified intimacy coordinator. She works for a lot of the larger networks. She's done a bunch of work for HBO. She's done a bunch of work for big studio projects, as well as diving into the independent film world, which is just sort of dipping their toes into this because a lot of you producers have no fucking idea what an intimacy coordinator does, right? And I know that a lot of you had the same knee jerk reaction That I did. That's why I was very honest about it in this intro. Is uh, because, you know, it's like, what is this? Another crew person that's costing me money, and why is this happening? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, strap yourselves in. I am going to get to the root of it all. We're going to talk about exactly what this job position is, we're going to talk about uh, what you need to be prepared. For when you work with an intimacy coordinator, but we're also going to dive into how this changes things creatively for you and how having this person on set can actually change the way you communicate and express with your actors what it is that you need from the scene. And you can start to get honest responses from your actors, which I really like because we start to tackle some interesting stuff as we dive into this. Well, Jessica and I start to really pull it apart and we get into a lot of the issues that actors have with directors. And being a director, oftentimes actors are very intimidated by you, very intimidated by the vision that you have. And they are used to, they have bred into a world where it's, yes, I will do that. Yes, of course I will do that. Before they actually take time respond to that right and if an actor says i don't want to do that or i don't think i'm feeling comfortable with that uh this person an intimacy coordinator can help dig into the reasons why and oftentimes the reasons why are just in some sort of miscommunication some sort of confusion that happens it's interesting it's a great fucking episode. This is a really good one. This episode is a prime example of why this podcast exists. I love this episode. I have walked out of the other side of this um, with a firm opinion on this role, and I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to spoil it, but you guys will will get to the root of it with me. But before we do, I just want to say hello to everybody. All of the brand new listeners that we've had come to the show. We've had some killer episodes. Um, I know you've seen me do a lot of sex positive episodes recently. Um, it, it's just timing, really. It really has just worked out to be timing. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Lexi, our porn star episode. I hope that sort of opened up your, and broadened your views on the porn industry a little bit and the people that work in the porn industry. But uh, yeah. Honestly, I schedule all these shows, I do all this stuff, and it's it's really just timing. And for, for a lot of these folks, it's about like, yeah, I can do it four months from now, five months from now, and it just sort of works itself out. So I'm not intentionally saying anything. The show isn't becoming like cutting edge or edgy for the sake of being edgy. Um, I really hope that it comes across when you listen to these episodes uh, that we go beyond the clickbait territory and we dig deep into... Uh, why these things exist. Because I think a lot of us pass judgment. Like I said, I was passing judgment initially. I think a lot of us pass judgment without clicking on the article. Right? A lot of us just read the fucking headlines, just see the thumbnail, r- check out a meme, and then immediately continue to assume that we understand exactly what that job is or exactly what that person does. And then we just write it off immediately. Right? I don't know how many people I talk to that come to me with, do you realize that this is, this happened? And I go, really, what are the specifics? Well, I don't know. I didn't click on the article. I just read the fucking, You know, come on. people. <laughs> so anyway, I um, hope you guys are ready. And like a big shout out to everybody that has been following me on Instagram at my Petchy or following the podcast on Instagram. That's in love with the process. P O D on Instagram. I have been posting all sorts of stuff behind the scenes stuff Uh, Trying to give you guys access to the chefs, to the musicians, to the folks that listen to the show. Um, Lots of exciting stuff on the way for you guys this year. Um, I'm in talks with, uh, uh, I don't know if it's going to be ready by the time the show comes out. Maybe not, but we're designing new graphics for the show. Uh, We're putting together some specialty merch for the show. Um, So there's lots of ways that you can help support us. Um, And please, as you listen to the show go through our sponsorships you're going to hear sponsor reads read from our friends at puget you're going to hear sponsor reads read um from our friends at jambox.io please go through the sponsor reads and if you want to support the show the best way to do so is just click the links in the uh in the bio below in the description below this episode all those links are traceable so our sponsors know that you're listening And I've had a lot of fans write to me directly on Instagram and ask me about these companies because they're interested in purchasing things. And I always say to them, I don't mind giving you my time. Just do me a favor and head on over to their Instagram accounts and let them know that I sent you. That's it. Super simple. Takes no time. Anyway, enough lecturing. Why do I fall into that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lecture you. You guys are here. You guys are excited. You guys want to learn. What the fuck is an intimacy coordinator, right? Get ready because Jessica and I are going to get into it. So strap yourselves in, turn up those noise canceling headphones, sit back, relax, and learn something new with us on the brand new episode of In Love with the Process. <music> Jessica. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Hi, Mike. I am really excited to be here. I'm, I am I'm love what you do and I love your Instagram page. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really stoked to be here.
0: Well, I'm pumped to have you on too, uh, because um, what you do is new um, to me. I haven't had the pleasure yet of working with an intimacy coordinator, and so I've got a lot of questions for you, and I, I know a lot of uh, actor pals of mine have questions as well, and, and yeah, and um, I think generally, uh, the general public, this is a very new position for a lot of people, and I just, I don't think they understand what it's all about. So,
1: yes, I mean, I I work with big name actors all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like the beginnings and I'm happy. We'll describe the process a little bit as well. But like so many people are like, I have no idea what you do. <laughs> why, why are you here? And why do you say you're here to help me? And in a similar way, I talked to directors and, in the studio system, there are a, like there's a series of directors I keep working with, and they're like, yay, my teammate is here. Yeah. But I work with a lot of other directors who are like, I don't know um, what to do with you, um, which is literally what a director looked at me once and goes, I just don't know what to do with you. I was like, cool. How exciting. <laughs> and then the other reason, the reason I like reached out to you, I was just like, I need to talk to you is... So I come from the independent world background. Like that's what I did. I've been doing stunts for the past 12 years. And I would say 85% of my filmmaking career has been independent. And I've been starting to get reached out to by independent filmmakers for the intimacy world. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing the shocking amount of lack of information. Yeah. And the things that they're asking me to do that i'm like well i i don't do that or i'm like oh my gosh did you not even realize you had this in your script yes um and so just kind of i was like oh gosh and they're like oh is that well, the you deal? reached out like, to me at a r- huge deal <laughs> yeah.
0: well you reached out to me at the right time because i had i think it was just a, f- a few weeks prior to that um i was talking to somebody i don't know if it was off off mic on the show or something and we had mentioned, someone had mentioned uh, Intimacy Coordinator, and I was like, what? <laughs> and, so then, and then I started to do a little bit of the research, and I was like, oh, I got to get someone on the show. And So the timing was perfect, because...
1: I'm so glad.
0: Yeah, I was confused. So I was like, yes, okay, I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> well, let's, <clears throat> let's start. let's start at the beginning here. Um, okay. And let me ask the most basic, basic interview question, which is, uh, what the hell is an intimacy coordinator?
1: <laughs> an intimacy coordinator is someone who coordinates is an advocate for actors, works with our storytellers in any part of the filmmaking process. And we are coordinating simulated sex, nudity, or any hyperexposed work. So it could also include like a kissing scene with minors. Mm -hmm. It can also include extreme violence that someone might be having to delve emotionally into. So we're kind of like emotional lifelines. Um, One of the things we are, it's required that we are mental health first aid certified. Um, I am not a therapist. Right. I can't, but I am a professional recognizer of crisis. Mm -hmm. And can go, hmm, this is no longer work safe. I think we need to back off. Or, you know, this character, for example, I was working on a show that one character, he was a murderer in the show. He's killing kids, raping women. I mean, crazy character, right? Mm -hmm. And one day we're sitting on a curb on location and I was there for someone completely different, but I've had several scenes with this actor We sat on the curb and I said, you know, we're getting towards the end of the series. And he's like, gosh, I can't wait. And I said, what are you going to do for closure? What are you going to do to leave this character behind?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: he goes, I didn't even think about that. I was like, I know. I know you haven't because you're working your ass off. So let's start thinking about how we're going to leave this behind. That sound good? And he's like, yeah. So part of my job is to realize I've, I have a fine arts degree in acting. I've been a stunt woman for 12 years. I understand the athleticism of filmmaking. Mm. And intimacy coordinators in general should. Mm. Um, we're understanding how hard this is. And to the point when I get to start knowing a crew, especially on episodics, when I walk on set, script coordinate or script supervisors come up to me. Oh, my gosh, I'm really stressed out. Set decorators. Jess, when I do these close sets, it's just really frustrating. I'm not getting enough time to set up. Hey, I hear you. Can I ask the AD for more time in between setups? I can do that. Hmm. That's my job.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I get it. I get the um, the it like, if it's a positive thing, which it sounds like it is, I get the benefit of it, you know, being that uh yeah. you would hire a stunt coordinator to help you, you know, design fights um, and you know, as a director, I've done uh sex scenes before um and yeah. it's it's always it's always awkward, it always feels awkward because you're, you know, you're trying to find a way to, you know, communicate with two other human beings on the most intimate level and discuss mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't, you find difficult to discuss with with. Yeah, I, I want to say almost they shouldn't be strangers. They're not necessarily strangers because you know them, but you you don't know them at that level where you you know you're going to no. sit around and dissect a sex scene. So
1: Exactly. Yeah. So imagine you have a teammate. So imagine that sex scene that you have, and you and I, you hired me as your intimacy coordinator and we sit down and I go, what, we're telling this story, right? This is in the script. We got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So the bravery to, to talk about it. And is this romantic? Is this, so let's say the scene is romantic. Then my question to you is, what does that mean? Story-wise, how does this sex scene, just like a fight scene, right? It should take the story from A to F, as opposed to A to B, right? Right. Should it propel our, ourselves forward. If we're doing this very intimate moment, what is it about this scene that is propelling the story forward? And how are you, as the director, wanting to get get that on camera?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so that...
1: that's our first question. Okay. All right. All right. And so then you tell me all the things that you need. These are the things, if I was dealing with puppets with no feelings, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. You have a conversation like you do with the actors. This is the story that I'm seeing, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You still have that relationship with your actors. Then your intimacy coordinator jumps back in and says, hey, actor, your director said that they're imagining this simulated sex scene and are you okay showing top nudity? I am, but I'm not comfortable showing my nipples, especially my right one. They wouldn't necessarily tell you that as the director. They'd be like, "Oh, the director's vision's so beautiful, and I really want to do it."
2: Right. right. My
1: job is to try to suss out what a nervous something that makes someone nervous, and it could be, hey, you know, I really don't want that producer on set to intimidate me. Right. Well, it's my job to say, "Hey, can we mitigate that?" And my job is to say, "I hear you." You know what? I am a movement professional. So intimacy coordinators are also movement professionals. We are trained in choreography for simulated sex, for movement in general. Um I have 20 years of movement experience under my belt. And I go, "I can make some choreography." That helps hide that part of your body and we'll put some pasties on. So if we do get it on camera, we know we can't use that.
2: Right. No problem. Right. Right. No problem. Right.
1: No problem. And then I tell the director, I think all the things that you want for your story is going to work out. Here are some wardrobe things we're going to do. I'm going to communicate to wardrobe and make that happen. And when I get there on the day, I'm going to make that happen. And then some of the intimacy barriers that we use for like simulated sex scenes and nudity scenes, um, modesty garments versus intimacy barriers. Intimacy barriers are basically how we make people Barbie and Ken dolls. And this is how on HBO stars, we get people looking almost naked. Yeah, They're very small barriers that have padding that are inherent to the barrier. Uh So everybody has padding um, to deaden sensations, to increase our confidence, to know that we have You know, we have distance between our partners. We're negotiating with actors how close or not close they want to be to their scene partner. We're negotiating all of those things with them that you no longer have to deal with.
0: Hmm. I I mean, all that's, (laughs) it really does sound like a weight taken off, which is interesting. Um, Yeah. There is, okay, so there is the cynical side where I, I think that, Uh, a lot of folks would say that this really sort of started to become big in film after the me too movement. And it's, you know, I think without understanding exactly what it is that you do, one would say, one would say like, uh, maybe this is just the way of Hollywood putting somebody in between to sort of give them the responsibility on set and, and uh, you know, make sure that they are distancing themselves as far away from the, uh, the Weinsteins of the world as possible.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm on a show right now that I am hired for legal reasons because the producers fight me on everything, mm. everything. They fight me
2: what
3: like you- there's
1: a closed set coming up and I was like, Hey, it's a closed set. The actor themselves is going to be almost nude. You know, we're not going to capture them nude, but to get the shot, this actor really can't wear very many clothes. It's a reveal of like a, of a, a makeup effect. Sure. Sure. And with closed sets, part of my job is to work with script supervisors to make sure the slate is marked. So by the time it gets to the editing bay, part of the closed set protocols with SAGAFTRA is that these also when we have a close set on set, we also have a close set in the editing bay. So that way these hyperexposed scenes aren't in the middle of the editing bay. So, they're also we're still Hopefully, you know, I'm not hired to sit in the editing bay. So I'm, there's a lot of trust going on here. Sure. Um, you know, but the slate is marked. And also, so an editor doesn't go, Doo, do to do, showing up on Monday morning, do to do, 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 oh, 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 God.
2: Right, right.
1: So it's to make sure all of those closed set practices are happening. This set specifically hired me because the network made them. And they were like, we like you. And I knew some people. And so they hired me, but they don't really want me to do my job. Mm. They've got it. Oh, the actor doesn't want you there. Well, because the actor's used to not having me. How many actors listening to this are like, I've gone 15 years without one. Why do I need one now?
2: Right, right.
1: Totally valid. And sometimes I'm like, hey, actor, you got it. I'm doing all this other stuff that you don't know about and also making sure you're, that an actor's legal paperwork. So with SAG-AFTRA, we have nudity writers, which is actually a federal law and legal paperwork that states that this is not pornography, which mm. is very valid and mm. a very valid art form,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but it's a legal piece of document that allows them to do that. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: And a lot of times what happened, especially in episodics and I would say features, they go, there's nudity in this movie you agree to nudity. And then you as the actor are stuck saying, well, you said you'd do nudity.
0: Uh, right. Pressured into it. and
1: then it. Right. Well, not even pressured, but it's just like, well, crap. I did. I mean, I did.
2: Sure. I didn't, Sure.
1: I didn't negotiate or I didn't know I even needed to negotiate. And another part of the process that's been added that was really supported more by SAG-AFTRA is you can have that nudity writer that encompasses a whole show. Sure. But every time there's a new scene of hyperexposed work, we go, hey, new scene, we need to make sure that this falls in line not only with their contract writer, but you know, as the show goes on, someone gets more and more comfortable. You know what? Last time I was really nervous to be naked, but it went really, really well. Like, I'm going to do it. Let's be naked. Okay. Sounds great. Huh. Hey, I'm actually having a harder time with my co-star. Our relationship is deteriorating and feeling less safe can I do things a little bit differently? Yeah, I think we can do that. So we're still, but I still want the script and the story to move forward. So my job is to say, I hear you actor. What is the most you're willing to do? And what is something and, and what are things we can do to make this feel better so we can keep doing our job and not leave the show?
0: So, do you think that you're getting pushback from these producers because they see you as, you know, how else do I say it? They see you as a pain in their ass. Is that essentially uh-huh. what it comes down to? One hundred percent. Yeah, right.
1: Hundred percent. I cost money. Yep. Um, I really when I'm when I'm there, I'm, I I personally believe that when you get on set with an intimacy coordinator, similar with a stunt coordinator, if you ever see a stunt coordinator running around, hollering at people, hey. This is a safety set, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Confidence really goes down. And when I get on set, my goal is to become, I go into dark mode, which is <laughs> if my prep went well, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little rougher. And if you see me running around, that means something has fallen through. <laughs> something has not gone well. Right. But, um, you know, I do my best to arrive and let the A's do their job. I just go, hey, we closed great i don't like that monitor there can we flag that hey this is a actor confidence thing can we make this happen right i'm there to help all those things happen but a lot of times i just look like money and time
0: sure sure right because and and then also your your barometer on emotions that wasn't that didn't exist before and i think that yeah I think that uh, not having that barometer was sort of a safety mechanism. Uh, this is me going out on a limb here, but I would say that like, yeah. not having that barometer was a safety mechanism for a lot of producers where it's just like, I don't want to know what their fucking problem is. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. You know? And so. Right.
1: And they have the privilege of throwing money at things.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: They throw money at problems. And I've really, I mean, I. Personally, I couldn't be more grateful. I come from so many years of guerrilla filmmaking of, you know what? We don't got money, but we'll figure it out. You want to fly someone in the forest, we'll get a mini tramp. (laughs) I've come from this world of making this happen. So for me, filmmaking has always been emotional.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I've I've been with so many independent directors that have like a moment of like crisis because this we've got to get this shot because there is no next
0: week. Sure, yeah, no, hundred percent. I believe me, that's my (laughs) that's my fucking world. Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Uh, But these big time producers are are, you know sitting in They're comfortable and they can throw money at problems, and I'm just a problem they can throw money at. And we do this job was. Enlightened by the Me Too movement, sure. But intimacy directors, kind of like fight directors in theater. Yep. So intimacy directors are in theater. They have been working in theater since two thousand five.
0: Yeah, I read that. Yeah, no, that's fascinating.
1: And, yeah, and it started in Chicago, and it was part of the Chicago Agreement. So if you read kind of like a history of Chicago theater, and that's how uh, I went to DePaul University, so that's where I like started my acting career and my stunt career was in Chicago, and so I. Actually got some intimacy training when I was in college, but I just thought it was like this really cool tool. And as a female stunt person, um, I was hired to do rape scenes,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: especially in film school. So I was like, Well, this would be a good class to take.
2: <laughs> yeah. <I'll find
3: laughs> I should that. probably
1: learn something. And Tony Asina um kind of like started the whole thing and wrote her thesis on all of this. Mm-hmm. And that so this has existed and Up in New York, Alicia Rodas, um, Tonya was uh, teaching at the University of Oklahoma, I believe, and was teaching this in a university setting to students. So, um, one of my friends took this from college, from the fight world, from the stage combat world, and then learning this intimacy. um, Rachel Flesher, they started doing this. So, everybody. So there was a few people kind of like doing this, going, "Hey." This stuff works, hmm. and Alicia Rodas um, got brought into the Deuce for HBO,
2: right? Right. Um,
1: because an actor requested it, and what they found at HBO was not only was this a made-up job, <laughs> but it worked. The process works, and that's why in three years we are part of sa- We are part of closed-set SAG-AFTRA protocols.
0: So, okay. I get that. Yeah. Cause I was, I, w- I was reading, uh, cause I did a little bit of research beforehand. And I was, re- I was reading that HBO was one of the first networks to do it, which, which makes mm-hmm. sense to me because HBO, you know, their bread and butter is pushing the limits of of sexuality and all their, all their programs and stuff. Yeah. And when I'm curious about the effects of it at this point, because now you look at shows like Euphoria, you look at, uh, like The Deuce, you look at all these different shows, the, the sex scenes have gotten even more realistic slash maybe graphic than they used to be and i wonder if that is due to the safety that that folks feel on set or is that a stretch you know
1: i don't think it's a stretch Hmm. i don't think it's a stretch and like knowing that people have like padding inherently on their bodies Mm -hmm. actors are like i'm not naked and you're like, you are naked. You are all but naked. And they're like, no, I'm not <laughs> like Because there's like, and we talk about it so explicitly. And just like you have a fight scene, you know, because in the script, oftentimes it's like they fight.
2: Yeah. They have sex. Yeah. Right.
1: And that's, you know, as a stunt coordinator, I read they fight and I'm like, oh, Lord, what we going to do? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. And the same thing goes as an intimacy coordinator. They have sex. He walks around the room and then he puts his underwear on. Oh, he's walking around naked. Did anybody realize that? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And we're talking about it, and you know, people w- write these things, but then they don't have the audacity to talk about them. Which is, hey, everybody, we're in our intimacy meeting. It says that the character walks around and then puts his underwear on. Do we see? Do we see full frontal nudity? <gasps> Oh my gosh. Like, why would we do that? I don't know. You have it written (laughs) in. I I don't, that's a question and we don't have to. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: And we're, we're talking about it. And then the, you know, actors are now going, okay. And, you know, and like when we have prosthetic penises, for example, you know, depending on like story wise or an actor be like, I'm cool to be depicted as naked, but I don't want it to be me. Sure. And so we, but then I say, cool. Well, you know, Hey production, they need to be able to approach. Prove what goes on their body. Not only does it need to like fit, but also the rest of the world's going to think this looks like them. Sure. And so we're adding critical thinking to what actors have been like. I don't care. And you're like, sure, you promise?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Because this is how people get sued later on.
0: Yes. I, yeah. I was going to say accountability is pretty huge on that. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. Like my my film that I did, which I talk about all the time on the show. my film I did <laughs> called Twelve Cam. Um, you know, big spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it. So cover your ears. Um, but at the end of the movie, there is male nudity at the end. And, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up casting a family member, uh, who did it for me, which was, uh, very kind of him, but also, <laughs> also slightly <laughs> awkward. Where it's like the my uncle who used to dress as Santa when I was a kid is now walking around with his penis out, which was weird. <laughs> um, and then I had an uh, an actor who was uh, the lead in it, who I respected, and I had known for years, who also was going to do it. And I remember the process because it's it's guys talking to guys, and I remember the process mm-hmm. of of trying to broach this thing and try to make it feel like it was safe. Um, but also make you feel like they were doing what they actually wanted to do and they weren't just trying to impress me as a director. And I remember with uh, the actor, you know, he was like, I'll totally do full nudity when we first started talking. And then as we approached the day he had done the research on like coverage and he brought in all sorts of stuff for coverage. And I immediately realized that that's what we were going to do with him because he really, I don't think he felt confident enough to actually tell me that he wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, You know? which absolutely which is you know fascinating and so i see the power of what it is that you do um because that wouldn't have been a fucking issue with me i think that like we could we we pretty much could have watched that pretty early you know
1: yeah you know it's tough too because i work with so many directors that are fabulous Mm -hmm. like really fabulous and It doesn't matter how fabulous you are. You are still powerful. Yeah. Because people want your vision to come to life. There's something about what you do that it's like, yeah, it sounds awesome. And then you look inside yourself and you go, do I have the guts to do that? And I really want to. And sometimes too, it's there's this sussing out of nerves of like, what. What is it that makes them nervous? Is it the fact that there's other people there, right? So it could be, I'm excited to do this, but I'm terrified. And if we can figure out what the terror is, then we still might can do it. But it's no matter how fabulous you are, you're still the person in power. And there's always, when we say, when, when you do any sort of consent training, the only true consent is when a no is present. There's no yes without a no. And when mm-hmm. there's no power present, which is impossible at work.
0: Sure. No, I mean, it, like, I like the way that you say that we're fabulous. I mean, if I wanted to cut to the chase, we're intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, yeah. It, yeah, I didn't realize that for for quite some time, you know, because I've always had the philosophy yeah. on my sets that it's a family, it's a group thing, it's a friend thing. I, I always try to be as open and as caring and as honest as I possibly can and it wasn't until uh, years later that I had close friends come to me and say, you know, they're intimidated by you. And I'm like, why? Like, why? Because I'm, you know, I try to be nice. I try to break down all the barriers. And it's yeah. just, it's the role that is intimidating. Yeah. It's, it's the stigma that comes with directors or geniuses, which I hate that fucking terminology. Um, <laughs> and so I get, I totally understand that. I think that's incredibly yeah. fascinating. And to be able to use you as a tool Uh, To further break down those barriers, because at the end of the day, you you want to make sure there's a. I get the I get big businesses accountability right now, especially with Hollywood going through all of its shit and these big business people going like, "All right, we need to prove that we're doing something." Like you feel that you feel that that's kind of what's going on at the big end, but from a personal level, as 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 someone who is so emotionally attached to the work. Um, I have a personal accountability where if somebody feels like shit after they went to war with me, I, I take that. That's, that's terrible yeah. to me. So yeah, I, I understand and the tool.
1: Yeah. And your art, our stories and our art matters. We all do this because something about us thinks that storytelling um my friend Sloane Warren um her podcast her podcast is called Undetoured it's the artist's journey mm-hmm. and she talks it like it's a very kind of like woo and wonderful podcast and one thing she always talks about is storytelling is this noble art and i think that we all understand this long lineage of that we're all trying to tell other people's stories yeah. and that it really matters and you know and sometimes when we use hyperexposed work it's just, it could be for so many reasons and it really is so effective. It's an effective storytelling tool yeah, for many, many reasons. And, you know, and we're all negavi- navigating our own shit mm-hmm. while we're trying to do all of this and having someone, you know, me as an intimacy coordinator, I don't technically have any power in the sense of I have no hiring and firing power. Okay. And so if you say I I I said yes to Mike to show full frontal on a sh- on a show, and now I'm scared to death. I'm so scared, and I really want to do it. So, and if I can't figure out what it is that makes them scared, then it's my job to say, director, why is it so important to show a penis? And if you go, it's not. It's more about the fact that this person is like naked and vulnerable.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Of oh,
1: cl- okay. So I can, I like, because oftentimes you tell them that and they don't hear it.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Or if you're navigating so much of your own ish, later on you forget that. Mm hmm. So it's just, we're just a lifeline for everybody. And in the last minute, two people, you know, just get nervous and we're just there to go, everything we talked about will happen. And if you get to a place where you go, oh my, oh my God, I'm going to fall apart. You know that you're no, right? Because there's no yes without a no. Sure. You're no in your lifeline who's going to just say, hey, director, this actor's done. What do we need to get this scene done? What is ne- crucial and necessary? Because this actor is done. As long as when, when we, when actors know they have a lifeline, a lot of times there's more yeses.
0: Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. It totally does. Um, well, I think the fear, I, I think when I first heard about the role, and I think my reaction is is a typical reaction, I think my initial fear was like, oh, fuck, there's someone else that's like coming in between me and the actors in, in these moments. And I think, um, you know, I was just watching, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a new Marilyn Monroe movie that's out. I can't remember the I title. I heard
1: about it. I yeah. haven't seen it yet.
0: It's great. Uh, I can't remember the title oh, of it, so it's it's shitty for me to bring it up. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's really interesting. And there was moments where in that movie you would see the director that she was working with um, having to go through this directing coach slash another director to deal with Marilyn and and the show just sort of amplified what a nightmare that was for the director because he was never able to communicate with her directly and it was always going through somebody mm-hmm. else and i think um that's a fear for, for directors because at the end of the day if if i don't make a personal connection if i don't have that that uh, intimate connection and trust with an actor uh where we both have sort of our like wink wink quiet, unspoken sort of communication that happens between us, then it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to work. The movie doesn't seem to come together in its purest form. You don't get the actor to open up as wide as they need to emotionally for the role. And I think um, you know, leveraging anybody in between, especially if it's if it's like a note from the top, especially if it comes out of the money <sighs> department, where the money department's yeah. like, hey, here's this person that has to come between you. Um, and I think that was my initial response when I heard about it mm-hmm. because I was just like, fucking me too. You know what I mean? I just had like that initial yeah. reaction through it. Um, and yeah. I, I'm happy that we're talking about this because I'm starting to feel different, about it, which is good. Yeah. You know?
1: You know, um, I've been doing this for almost the three years that intimacy coordination has existed. Um, my first show, I was cov- uh, a cover intimacy coordinator on the Outsider was like my first um, IC days. The lead intimacy coordinator is Samantha McDonald for the Outsider. Yeah, and so I did. I did those. I did. Uh, I was a cover coordinator on P Valley the first season. Um, I did the second season as well. And um, the first show I ran by myself was Lovecraft Country. Oh, cool! And I was the third intimacy coordinator on there, and the showrunner wasn't, I don't think really believed we were there, you know, because HBO mandated it. And if it wasn't an HBO show, I don't think we would have been there. Right, And I think there's this constant fear about it. And all, I mean, those are all of my first shows. And I still go into my first intimacy meeting and I directors go, I don't even know what to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a beauty to our job is we have to do the protocols, right? So if you go to SAG after, you can read all the protocols, right? These are things that there has to be a chat about the scene or whatever the work is coming up. I need to talk to you about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. In theory,
2: mm-hmm.
1: talk to you about it. Director technically must talk to actors must
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's part of the protocols. Unfortunately, especially in episodics, a lot of times directors don't have time right? because prep is a week long. <laughs> and right. Actors are in the first block, right? We're, so part of my job is to say, um, hey, did you talk to the director? But even on the sh- one of the shows I'm on right now, I was like, hey, there's a new scene. You're sitting on a toilet. And the actor goes, what? And I was like, <laughs> uh-oh. Um, the director was supposed to call you the other night. And she goes, nope. Uh, nope. No, no. Are these new pages? Sure are. <laughs> you should give those a read and you call me back. You call me back <laughs>
2: uh, a week
1: later. The scene was written out, and I had no conversation other than we're excited to do this. So you know, actors still have voices, and I don't know why it was written out. I think because of time, to be honest. Okay, uh, because all shows, especially with COVID, you have one like COVID day, and your schedule's effed. Um, but all that being said, is you know we're just like you said, we're just another tool, and sometimes directors talk with actors so beautifully that huh. I'm just there. <laughs> I'm present. And sometimes the director is like, Hey, I've got this choreography thing, right? I've got these moments and I'd like to talk. Um, but could you help me with making sure, you know, can you just give me tips if it doesn't like, Hey, Jessica, I'd like it to look sexier. Hey, what's that mean? Sure. Oh, I don't know. Like it feels better. Okay, great. Hey, can she arch your back? Does that sound good? Yeah, let's try it. That's a part of my role. And sometimes I'm a fly on the wall and all I've done is prep.
0: Well, I like, I like, this is what I like about what you're saying is that I like the idea that you and I could sit down in a room somewhere and then I can have a stress-free sort of candid conversation with you that will mm-hmm. not potentially turn the actor's opinion of this thing you know what I mean like I'd love to be able to sort of sit down in a space with you and go look when I was storyboarding this sequence I saw it doggy style and I see this person doing this and I see them like do you prefer when an actor is that I'm I'm sorry when a director is that specific do you prefer it if he comes
1: yeah and it all depends you know sometimes directors are just like I don't know I just want it to feel this way or if you're like no I know exactly what I see. I'm down for whatever, however this person works. However you as a director work.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And if you like to be hyper specific, I'm like dope.
0: Okay. Sounds great. Well, for for me, it's like dance. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's action and it's dance. Every, every action should be giving us insight into how that character emotionally feels and emotionally responds to actions that are, that are given to them. So yeah. I feel like I guess it's just me as a director but I feel like that is so fucking important. I mean that's the reason why like John Wick is a great fucking action movie. It, it's not just that like you know someone was like hey he needs to shoot these assholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like every motion starts to give us insight into how this character responds and knowing what this character projects um in safe environments, um, when you're in a sort of sexual situation or if you're in a rape situation, if you're in something like that, mm-hmm. you're honestly, like, responding, which is fascinating. Um, and, yep. and so, I I like this. I like this idea. I really do. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, also,
1: like, when you talk to me, mm-hmm. and if you say the word, and then they're dick, or versus, and then they're penis right? If depending on how you are talking to me, it tells me different stories. And it makes I make little notes of like, okay, there's a harshness to the scene. sure, Or there's like a a truthness to the scene, right? The way that you communicate with me also really helps me talk to the actors when they have a wonderful conversation with you. Actors always have these conversations with directors. They're like, great. And then they have a conversation with me. And I would say 80% of the time, they're like, okay, but I'm really nervous about this camera angle. (laughs) And you're like, cool. And if you and I have a conversation that is like, okay, I understand this is explicit. Ooh, they're concerned about that up angle. Mm, This is an explicit scene. We're probably going to have that up angle. I need to talk to the director, right? Saying they're really nervous about that. And this is why. So you can go, oh, I see that. Yeah, I can support that. Um, You know, it just gives me insight to say, hmm, And I firmly believe, and I am a mentor for newer intimacy coordinators. I there's all this intimacy coordinator training. People can take online classes. There's people all over social media that are like, I'm an intimacy coordinator, sure, with no film experience. And in the history of coordination, these are Phoenix stunt coordinators. These are people who've been doing the doing the thing for a long time.
2: Yeah,
1: and people who are like running departments. And my passion with my mentees is. Yeah, I'm so glad you know the intimacy stuff. That's dope. Keep learning that. Learn that. Take bystander training. And we actually, for my certification, I have to do continued education constantly. Constantly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sober, but I'm interested in making people filmmakers.
0: That's, That's
1: cool. what I'm interested in.
0: That's cool. Because I was going to ask you about that too. The certification and sort of the court structure and there has to be uh, some level of training. Um, because yeah. because I've heard about this I've heard about folks that don't really have training and they're kind of going into these situations and, and so yeah. it's important to find an intimacy coordinator that what is the certification like what is what is the courses that you guys have to take
1: so um, so my certification comes from a company called IDC mm-hmm. Intimacy Directors and Coordinators um, you can look it up at idcprofessionals.com and actually if you go to hire On the website, there's a flow chart being like, Do I need an intimacy coordinator? And it's a flow chart which I think is really helpful, especially for indie filmmakers. Because you know, studio, I've worked on ABC, NBC shows that I'm like, I'm so stoked to be here, but I don't know if I need to be here. Um, (laughs) But especially for independent filmmakers, you're just like, Do I need somebody or do I need to can I just call Jessica up and ask, can I ask her some questions? for guidance. Uh-huh. And then I can be like, Oh, I don't really need someone on set, but ask you know, making sure that your eyes are dotted and teaser crossed. So the certification process, I can really only talk about like what I've gone through, through IDC. And I was part of what was called like the unicorn program, which were people that needed to be intimacy coordinators in a day.
2: Okay. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> um, Which is nuts, right? But um, my background before being an intimacy coordinator, at the time, I'd been doing stunts for 10 years. And I've been doing, I've done over like 100 student films as a coordinator, right, learning how to coordinate, how to do this. And then I've been assistant coordinating in studio studio work. So I have like actual like studio, breaking down a script, submitting it. I even have budget experience, right? So nobody had to teach me how to coordinate. Which mm-hmm. is ninety percent of the job, to be honest with you, is understanding that, and then the choreography part. I, you know, went to a movement school and I've been training for all these years, so I, I have a lot of this. But what it kind of looks like now, there's like with many of the schools, there's like these level one, level two kind of stuff that's like the basics of consent and what does that mean in in general, mm-hmm. and then what does it mean in the with the lens of storytelling right both stage and screen Mm -hmm. and then the way that idc's work so once you go through that level one level two there's like this level three training that basically says oh my gosh you are you have a background as a sex therapist that's brilliant but you have no movement training Mm -hmm. go get movement training go learn go do this thing um you need your mental health first aid and then part of like the that that resource as far as like the pro IDC comes from is now you get mentors like me Mm -hmm. and I have people like I have like a whole docket of people that sit in my living room when I have meetings and listen to how these meetings go. Um, You know, if an independent show calls me. I'm like, great. I'm going to give you to this person. I'm technically still attached to it, but they're going to do your show. So that way we can, they can learn and then, so it's, so it's this tiered process and mentorship onset training and being a movement professional is all part of it. Mm-hmm. And when we start doing in-person classes, again, there's also like intensives. There's like nine and 13 day intensives of choreography and additional training and all that stuff.
0: Hmm. Okay. I mean, th- that's really fucking cool. I mean, all those elements, yeah. all those elements make you a very strong tool for me actually, yeah. which I like. And, you know? and a
1: variety of ways to use me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in, in simple ways, uh, there was a, a scene, there was this makeout scene and they were making out and kind of taking off their clothes and, and, and all this stuff. And it's a scene that when you see it on paper, I'm not needed. Right. They're taking, they're taking clothes off. Sure. But you know, they're staying down to bait like bathing suit areas are the only thing being shown. So technically not nudity mm-hmm. and they're kissing, which, okay. But they were moving and they were bouncing off of like walls and stuff, and we've got cameras. And <laughs> one thing that the act one of the actors kept doing was bonking his scene partner. He kept headbutting her. <laughs> Legit. And she had to put ice packs on her head in between. Oh my god. And no. the director goes, Jessica, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. So I had to like go into my brain and go into my movement brain. And I was like, okay, why is he headbutting her? Uh, because he's feeling passionate. And a lot of times when we feel passion, actors love to bury their faces in their scene partners because it feels more passionate because we release more dopamine the more contact we have with someone, right?
2: Ah, hey, right, right, right.
1: actor, right. lead with your chin. And he <laughs> looks at me and I said, I know. I sound nuts. I need you to Lead with your chin, and I need you to feel light on your eyes, huh? Huh, and that and worked he finally. Did not head butter,
2: wow, weird.
1: Okay, so it's right, and it seems like so silly. Um, but I was so glad I was there because they would have been like, you know what, we're moving on, <laughs> we're gonna cut the scene early, it's not worth it, <laughs> right? Yeah, and the actor was frustrated because he. Is an actor, yes, but he came, you know, that this was like his first huge role. And so there's nerves and negotiation, and he's feeling terrible. He sees his partner take ibuprofen and put ice packs on her head. And he's like, oh my God. Right. And then part of my job is to say, hey, all of that did happen and it is okay. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? I need to apologize. Yeah, let's go apologize. We can go do that. And then we're gonna like throw the day away and we're gonna just put this in as a lesson. Sound good? Yeah, okay. It's okay. Sucks, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. You know, that's it's all part of why I exist. And sometimes I don't know why I'm there. And sometimes I'm there because of legal reasons. And sometimes I'm there because somebody goes, even directors go, well, you're the professional. I wanted you here.
0: Right, time to take a second, and uh, we're gonna get into some of the sponsors of the show. Uh, I wanna sort of introduce you guys, if you're a new listener to the show, I wanna introduce you to these companies, these products that I use, legitimately use, uh, products that uh, I'm excited about, that I want to start using. Um, and anybody that I get on the show as a sponsor, it's, it's because I think it will benefit you, the listener, the content creator, the director, the artist, the musician. Um, it's all about making sure that I am uh, bringing you stuff that will hopefully affect your work, right? And uh, as always, the first the first team that I want to talk about that will affect your work is the, uh, the, the folks over at Puget Systems. If you head on over to pugetsystems.com, This is where you go when you need to build an edit machine. This is where you go when you need to build a 3D rendering machine, or if you need to build an Unreal machine, or if you're just a a listener and a gamer, and you just want to have that beefy machine, and you don't want it to look like a car from the Fast and Furious, right? And uh, I made the jump to PCs years ago, um, and I didn't want to go with some big old company like Dell. Ugh. Uh, I needed to find a a smaller company, a family-owned business, a company that was really focused on what it is that I needed and that had solid customer support. And uh, for a lot of the listeners of the show that work in this industry, that are in post-production studios, that have edit houses, that have color correction houses, you're always dealing with what is the the software just updated, so now I need some new fucking graphics card. This just changed. Now I need to build three more workstations that are current that can integrate with the older workstations. There's a lot of problems. Storage space is a problem for you. Um, head on over to Puget Systems. You're gonna find these guys as a great resource. I guarantee you're gonna to wanna to hire them to uh, put together your entire studios suite, but they're a really good resource. If you head on over there now, click on their publications page, and for instance, they do a bunch of really great articles which are based upon their own benchmark testing. Uh, But they have a great article that just got dropped on February 1st by my buddy, Matt, Matt Bach, who's over there. Uh, Processors, uh, understanding storage for video editing. Processors and video cards may be the most discussed hardware when designing a video edit workstation, but the type and configuration of your local storage drives is also very important consideration. Not only can proper storage setup help your workstation perform at its best, but it can also help increase the longevity and reliability of your system. Head on over to Puget Systems, read this full article. It just came out. Um, And like I said, look around. If you're interested in in, uh, building a system or re-outfitting your entire uh, suite with new systems, Puget Systems uh, makes it very easy to uh, reach out to them for consultation. They actually wanna talk through what it is that you need. And if they feel like someone else can provide it, they will let you know. They're a great company. I can't say enough great things about them. I love these guys to pieces. I cannot wait to hang out with them again. They've supported the show since the beginning. They are an anchor for the show as far as sponsors are concerned. And I have the deepest rooted respect for them. And if you love this show, Head on over to Puget Systems Instagram page and write on any of their posts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, for being there, for in love with the process for so many years. Because without you, we wouldn't have a show. Okay. Uh, all right. Also supporting the show, our friends over at Black Magic Design. I haven't done a read for them in a while, and I love these guys, so I'm going to do it again. I have their Black Magic Studio Pro 6 camera. I love it. Uh, I'm going to be doing a bunch more shoots as we progress into this year, and I'm so happy to have this camera in my kit. Shoot 6K raw footage that I can easily import into my Premiere timeline and use it and cut it multiple uh, tracks of video raw 6K on my Puget system. Can you fucking believe it? It's nuts. That means I can also do quick grading within my system. It's awesome. I love it so much. I shot the last Christina P music video last year on it and I had such a great experience with that. I am looking forward to doing new stuff this year with it. So be on the lookout as I shoot with my Blackmagic camera Um, and without the Blackmagic experience, we wouldn't have found the director's (laughs) tracksuit. For those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Go back on my Instagram stuff and you'll see my amazing tiger tracksuit. also supporting the show Jambox. I've said this on every fucking episode that we've done a read with these guys. Um this will change the way your work is perceived. It will change the quality of your work. Signing up for Jambox and getting access at a really great, really low price to amazing music content. This is the the bane of our existence as editors. This is the bane of our existence as as directors and creators. Is finding licensed material, licensed music that doesn't sound like shit. Let me be real about it. That doesn't sound like canned bullshit. That a, a musician was like, well, I can't put this on my album, but I've got a whole folder of stuff that's like C sides, D sides. Maybe I'll just throw it at this stock website. And then you, as a creator, are tasked with having to find stock music by your client who doesn't, never pays enough money for music. Let's be real about it. And so then you spend all this time shooting beautiful footage with your Blackmagic camera, shooting beautiful footage uh, with amazing performances a great lighting. And um, then you have to put shit music under it. And it just ruins it. I've shot footage that, <laughs> I've shot footage, let me be real that I've cut that looks so great and then I've had to put some music licensing underneath it and it ruins it and it depresses me so I was very excited to find Jambox because for some reason these guys have figured out the hack they with their relationships with their musicians with the process that they go through with creating these songs they hire the musicians they they put together albums with them that they release here on Jambox their stuff feels like I'm listening to spotify you know i i'm sure that even the guy mowing the lawn right now that you're here would love to be listening to this stuff like if i pumped it through onto his headphones he'd be like wow what fucking channel is this on spotify this is really great if you if you doubt me listen to the music that's playing underneath this read right now and on prior episodes right for instance like the uh the goat mafia episode the taco episode The opening music and that big hip hop track that played, that awesome track that played on that that episode, was from Jambox. (laughs) Right? So, head on over to Jambox right now. We'll talk quickly about pricing. They have a bunch of different subscription plans available um, with free trials by the way. Um, so I suggest, even if you don't have a project right now, head on over there, sign up for a free trial, and just sort through the music because you can then plan an ideal around a track that you like, which means that you don't have to put temp tracks down when you do your cuts. You know what I mean? Uh, they have a bunch of different plans for the creators out there. They have the unlimited creator. These are people that are creating personal projects, vlogs, YouTube, student, and podcasts. Uh, $9.99 a month. 30-day free trial this gives you full access to all music unlimited downloads for youtubers social creators personal student projects web streaming it has an annual commitment of 119 a a uh, year so it's only 9.99 a month that's nothing that is the cost of one song for an entire for an entire year's worth of content for your podcast or for your fucking channels come on let's be real um if you're someone that's creating commercials they have an unlimited commercial plan for client work, including digital as wedding corporate nonprofit. Uh you get everything from the creator, as well as access to the sound effects library they have, which is really great, and stems for the songs. So you can actually dissect the songs to work for your edit. I love that. You can use this stuff for paid advertising, corporate business, weddings, live events. Um, It's seven-day free trial on that, and it is $19.99 a month. Really great. If you're a student, like so many of you listeners are, You guys really want to up the quality of your short films. You guys really want to dig through their amazing like thriller uh, swell packages that they have on here. They have like all the sound effects you need to build a scary sequence. Okay. Six bucks a month, Uh, full access to all music and sound effects, unlimited downloads for student projects, film festivals, web streaming, social channels. It's awesome. They also, if you guys don't want to do the monthly payment, you can also do single song licensing off their website. For personal stuff, twenty bucks per song. Uh, for the wedding nonprofit stuff, thirty bucks. So if you're a wedding creator, thirty bucks per song is not that bad. So if you have a budget for like hundred bucks for music for a wedding video, you can get a bunch of shit going. Branded and advertising, uh, one thirty per song. And uh, if you're doing theatrical, you can just Get a quote from them immediately. So head on over to jambox.io. I am telling you, it will change your work. I don't know how else to say that. I feel like it's not, I I don't want that not to sound genuine because I'm in the middle of an ad read. Let me, okay, for a second here, let's pretend that the ad reads are done. Thank you for listening to the ad reads. It will genuinely change your work. Okay, now back to the ad reads. (laughs) uh Also, supporting the show are our friends over at ETC, ETC Connect, for lighting right? Uh, I talk about the ETC stuff all the time. I did some posts on the podcast Instagram about ETC units because a lot of folks are like, what are these units? What are these source for profiles? What are these FOS for Fresnels? I should take a picture of the Fresnel I have. Let me, let me, I'm going to make a note of that right now. Take picture atc light and I'll, I'll post that this post will come out before this episode you might have to go back in the instagram to see it but i'll post it up there and let me give you an ad read here let's talk about their color mix a lot of us in the film industry have used the iconic source 4 profiles so these are those spotlights that uh, you've seen me use on gina's music videos ETC, the maker of the Source 4, has been working hard in the recent years to give us incredible new fixtures specifically for use with cameras. I got my hands on their FOS slash 4 Fresnel, which I have, I like. And it is one of the most eye-catching, one of the most eye-catching eye specs of this line of fixtures is the color mix. Their Lustre X8 array helps, uh, includes, so, Jesus, Michael. Their Lustre X8 array includes deep red emitters, which not only open... Uh, to more color mixing options than you'd ever get with your traditional four color studio fixture, but it also leads to richer, more natural beams of light at any color point that you use. Once you see these fixtures on skin tones for yourself, it is truly surprising what a deep impact Red makes on any situation on set. Whenever I read deep impact, I think of a comet smashing into the planet. And I think of that bit where, uh, what was her name? She's such a great actress. She's standing on the beach and she's holding her dad. She never really got to tell him that she loved him and there's a tidal wave coming. That all comes in the head when I read this. If you're not familiar with ETC, all their fixtures are backed by 24-7 customer support. See the FOS slash 4 panel or for now uh, yourself by visiting etcconnect.com backslash love the process. That is etcconnect.com backslash love the process. And if you're listening to the show, if you're a newcomer to the show, Uh, We have new newcomers every week, which is fucking killer. Um, Then uh, you look at the queue at this point, we're pushing about 200 episodes. And you're like, oh, God damn it. How am I going to go? Do I go back to episode one? Surprisingly, a lot of you do, which I love. Um, But if you just want to have your episodes curated for you, head on over to inlovewitheprocess.com. There I have split the episodes up based upon subject material so you can listen to the directors, the film crew, Uh, the chefs, whatever you want, to your heart's content. There's also like a top 25 episodes up there, so it's a great way into the show. So you can go and listen to what we think some of the best are. I have to update that this year. Uh, And do yourself a favor and get in there hard. If you're a newcomer to the show, listen to those early episodes, because once I cross 200, I think I'm going to put the early 100 episodes behind a paywall. Uh, Because, you know, we got fucking expenses here, man. We got to pay for some shit, you know? All right, that's it. Let's get back into it. Jessica's got a lot more to teach us on the role of an intimacy coordinator. Well, look, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear right now, I think. um, And especially... from uh like my male actor friends um yeah. where you know it's like what are the boundaries what is happening it, you know and and so i've talked to some of my pals that are just like uh, i'm just confused like i don't i yeah. feel like i need to be emotionally in the moment i feel like it needs to be emotionally charged in a specific way so that i stay in the moment but then I'm also like, what is too aggressive and what is not aggressive enough? And then, and you're trying well, to communicate with somebody, and oftentimes that communication is a very short sentence, which is like, uh, "Was this good?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you're you guys are trying to find this balance. And so, I know my actor pals that haven't worked with an intimacy coordinator are very curious about it because. Um, I've talked to these guys that are just like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to get fucking canceled. Like we don't know what is the, you know, oftentimes you're just on the set and you feel very alone and you're like, am I doing this correctly? Or is my, this grinding that I'm doing on this person later going to become something that is going to be an issue, you know?
1: Yeah. And that, and I don't want that for anybody. And a lot of times I hear all the time, almost every day, at work well you know we just want to make sure the ladies are okay and i'm like yeah but also (laughs) we've got a lot of people that don't feel okay yes people don't feel okay and they are nervous and there's a lot of people who have really made the you know it rotten and that's not the majority of people but the people who made it rotten made it really rotten yeah and that sucks and one thing part of my job is because that's i think the number one thing i hear especially from male identifying actors is whatever my scene partner needs yeah whatever my scene partner needs and i'm really holding that up right now because i i think there's i think i would encourage any actor listening to this however you identify is yeah i want your your scene partner to feel supported and confident but you also deserve that too and you are allowed to have boundaries yeah. You're allowed to say that makes me nervous. Hey, I'm nervous today. Cool. And I think part of my job is this is opportunity for actors to go. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to be canceled. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And part of what we do, and part of why we have these nudity writers, and even if you're doing a non-SAG, so a, a non-union project with non-union actors, I really encourage people to make a nudity writer.
2: Mm-hmm
1: for intimate work hey i'm cool to do this and i'm cool to take my shirt off and i'm cool to do that because it's just our little promise together but that's the most i'm going to ask you to do and as long as we know where the line is because i'm a firm believer in dangerous work and we only do dangerous work unless we understand that we are inherently safe right when we know where the line is I can touch that line as long as I know where it is, but it's when we don't know where the line is. And it's my job to know where the line is. Your stunt coordinator's job to know where the line is. And directors, the line is blurry. It should be because you're trying to see where this takes us, right? You start filming it and things evolve and things change, but it's the technicians to understand how we're going to capture it and how we're going to do it over and over again. Sure. As technicians, that's our job. Um, not that directors aren't, but I think directors are looking at things with a bunch of eyeballs.
0: Well, the, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've yeah. said th- I've said this before. A director's job, essentially, you're a tastemaker. So, like, people show up with yeah. a bunch, but a bunch of trays of different options, and you go, "These are the combos that I see." Or, "Oh wow, I didn't even think about mixing. That's fucking great." I mean, that's what your job really is as a director. Um, yeah. And so it is the technicians, and and I would hire you as a stunt coordinator to do the stuff th- to do the details of the and then he punches him in the face and they fall down the flight of stairs <laughs> like like there are so many details within that not only for safety yeah. but also for legitimacy and and for realism there there are the details that uh I myself as a guy sitting at my desk drawing storyboards don't like don't necessarily know those details so that's why yeah. you you cast I always say this, you cast your crew the same way you cast your actors. And if you're lucky enough to be able to be in charge of hiring your team and on the independent level you usually are, when you get into the studio system, oftentimes you're getting teams that come with um, production coordinators and everything. But Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to, to do that, you have to cast the people around you that are going to be there with their life experiences and their tools that will uh, rescue a shoot on our, you know, 13, you know, in yeah. the middle of the night somewhere, you know?
1: Exactly. And the re, and I think too, just like you were saying, people are so worried and there's so much fear. My deepest hope and things that I have felt, even on productions where I'm fighting productions and I'm fighting producers, I have actors run up to me and say, Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you're here today.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and I had another intimacy coordinator remind me, and she was like, that's the work, Jess. That's the work. It's you are helping someone be so excited to do a really hard job, and and my hope is that when we are on set, that everyone goes, oh, they're here today.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm
1: so glad. I'm so glad, and I hope that it helps directors feel like the yeses that I'm receiving today are real. Yeah. I'm receiving true yeses today. And maybe the more we get used to this conversation and more, and we get less afraid of no's as actors, right? Cause we're taught everything is yes. And mm-hmm. not even just outside the <laughs> improv world, everything is yes. <laughs> and yeah. if I don't say yes, I will never work again. Sure. We're, sure. That's, that's our normal. And, I live it all the time (laughs) myself and I'm also learning that I'm opening a door for there to be a no, but a yes, but I'm excited. And, and for us to negotiate whatever that is to get to the dream of the idea, right? Directors have dreams and they tell me their dreams and my job is to go, I'm going to help see if these folks that you cast are truly excited to jump into this dream or can we tweak the dream a tiny bit? So everyone is so stoked to get here today. So that by the time we're all on set together, we're, we're like, okay, dokie, we're really ready. And you don't have to go. I hope everything, <sighs> I hope everything's okay. Yep. God, I hope everything's okay. Because I've, I mean, just even last week, I had a director that felt that they didn't communicate well enough on the day they were so worried about other things. And mm-hmm. then I had a cover intimacy coordinator. So the direct, the actor, cause I was on another set and the actor didn't feel as comfortable to be like, Hey, this isn't going great. And so people's feelings got hurt. Like things, the, the system didn't support itself.
0: Oh, that could fall apart. And that could fall apart so quick. The way it that, that fell
1: happened. apart so fast yeah. and it didn't finish that scene. And I came back, um, then a day, a couple days later to finish it. And everybody was like vomiting on me. Oh my God, it didn't go well. We had to lock it down harder today. So then now emotions are at a 12, right? And I need emotions at a six, right? We needed it at a six. We need to know mountains out of molehills, everyone. So now I'm having to navigate everybody's emotions and then just also create a space for the actor to hopefully not feel those emotions Mm -hmm. and create a space for them to do the work.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it blows my, anytime, and I say this all the time, anytime you see a movie and a movie's completed, it's a fucking miracle <laughs> that it got done, uh-huh. regardless of whether or not it's a good show or a great movie, just the fact that it got finished is a miracle because of the, yes. the monumental stress that is on, <laughs> uh, you know, not just actors and crew but also directors and writers mm-hmm. and producers the amount of stress that is just stacked and then to try to run a set that just feels creative and easy breezy um man i that's always been my goal my goal my dream isn't to isn't to win an academy award it is to run such a a beautifully confidently safe and fun set because it it, like that's what this show is all about that's why we call it love with the process the show is about understanding that it's not about the final project it's not about standing on stage and crossing your arms and saying dad i did it you know and like not none of that is worth it the it's the small details it's the fact that when you're on set and it is wonderful, and I've had wonderful sets, um, they stick with you forever. Forever, mm-hmm. I think about these these moments in these sets. And that's really the fucking goal. And um a big concern that I've had, you know, as you know, as a fucking white dude in, in Hollywood right now is trying to get past the stigma that a lot of asshole fucking people before me have created. And create a, a world in which everybody feels safe and everybody feels the same love that I have for this set. And mm-hmm. it, it sounds like you're the ultimate tool <laughs> for, the, for this because you want, it to, you want to feel safe and confident uh, with what I say and how I say it. But at the same token, I want to make sure that the actors feel so immersed and engrossed in the story and engrossed in these characters. And that as much of this outside stress, which will always exist, is just tempered, yeah. is just tempered really and just sort yeah. of tempered down to the point where we're in front of the camera and we can finally. Because I'll tell you, the best moment for me as a director, the moment where the entire world stops, is when I call action, and in that mm-hmm. brief period of time, there, the stresses, the stresses of the world just shh, quiet down. Everybody, be quiet. And then we just roll, and that's yeah. that's what I'm what I'm aiming for every time I get on set. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it is the ult- it is the ultimate goal. Yeah. And um, and if anybody has ever been to base camp, you know it is not ever calm <laughs> because somebody's getting ready <laughs> at some point, <laughs> and something has not gone as planned yes, always. And always. you know, and especially you know, I feel it. Whenever I stunt coordinate, I feel a, a sense of peace because it's the thing I've done the longest and yeah. the thing that everybody has like this agreeant, like everybody's like, we know why you're here. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. In general. And I feel with intimacy work so often, I, I on Instagram, my stories recently, I just said, intimacy coordinators, do your cardio. Just trust me, <laughs> do your cardio. I I run so much. I actually look forward to location days because like I, there's no showrunner in his office, right. right? I'm not going. And someone goes, you have to go to their office. I'm like, why <laughs> can someone come to me? You know? <laughs> but yeah, being able for me personally, um, you know, I feel like every intimacy coordinator and just like you're saying, every expert and technician you bring on, they have a very specific purpose. And one of, I think, The things that I, I work really hard at and it's comes from my past of having to fight and be kind of a bad bitch stunt coordinator for a while in the indie world. Like I had to be tougher than I, I really am Mm
2: -hmm. really
1: an impasse and really kind of like goofy and quirky, (laughs) but sometimes I had to put like that stunt coordinator hat on to be really taken seriously. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so intimacy coordination feels a little closer to my heart as far as just how I operate normally. And I love creating spaces. I like to like shoot out this bubble when I'm present and it's starting to infiltrate my stunt coordination because of just confidence. But just being like, whenever I am here, we stop yelling. We take deep breaths Mm -hmm. and we do what we talked about. And Mm -hmm. if we didn't talk about, you know what? Bummer. We got to stop and talk about it again Mm -hmm. and make sure because nobody wants to get injured. And everybody just wants to go the fuck home.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I am just deeply passionate about that. And, and for me, I feel like the things I get hired on is, is, are these like spaces and there's intimacy coordinators that specialize in kink and um, global majority stories and people who really come with like they're a, a specific lens, and so there's always this opportunity to work with somebody who's going to broaden your horizon, mm-hmm. depending on what you need, or or just make sure you're safe. as you know your your set itself is safe, but there's just all these resources that our world is opening up to, and it's so neat. and And I hope that you, as a creator, even though you are cisgender white male, right, mm-hmm. that you there's your story and your passion and what you are doing is still very valid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And everything that you are, you know, here you are wearing this different hat to open a platform to help other people just explain what they do, and for other filmmakers to go, "Oh my gosh, I opened that helps me. That opens my eyes. you this is we both became filmmakers, and many years down the road, it was so you and I could talk. And for me to be like, what you're doing is so valid and worthy. Keep going.
0: No, thank you. Thank you. You No. Yeah.
1: So like we, that's, we're all doing this for not showing up tomorrow. It's for who we're going to meet and who we're going to impact.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's fascinating. The. You know, because what uh, what am I? 43. So I'm 43. So the the way that the world has changed over the past fucking three years is just amazing. The amount of change and the amount that we're trying to, that uh, we're all trying to adjust to what this, you know, the new new is what my therapist says all the time. It's the new new. I love it. Um, and so just the fact that I have a therapist is like something that is so, uh, (laughs) the opposite of, you know, what, you know, 23 year old Mike would have even thought about doing, you know, it was the antithesis of it. So I really find it fascinating and I find it interesting as a new tool. And I think all these things are really, really great tools for, for mining emotions too. And for understanding emotions and for understanding how to process how someone else is thinking, because that's really my, my fucking job ultimately is to try to observe an event, whether it's something that I go through or something that someone mm-hmm. else goes through and then process that observation into the techniques that we use in cinema to try to make the audience feel the same way with it. And, yeah. and so the, the further that we can understand these things, um, then the better I can translate them into lighting sound, whatever the fuck I use to make the audience feel the same way. So I love this shit. I'm kind of ranting and rambling on it because what you're doing, this is an interesting episode because I didn't have a preconceived notion of what this was. I had some like early judgments of what I thought an intimacy coordinator did, but I tried to write those off as quickly as I had them. And so what (laughs) you're hearing now audience, as you listen to me ramble is me just sort of, putting all these pieces together in my brain going I fucking get it now all right and I see the benefits of what this could be um and I dig it man like like honestly I wish I had you on set for multiple projects that I had done prior (laughs) to this because I feel like they would have been better I feel like the exchanges would have been more interesting and like I said with HBO's content right now I remember growing up as a kid watching Showtime movies where it's like, and then the sex scene happens and two people just sort of (laughs) rub their tummies together. And you're like, is this what sex is? It's like a young kid where you're like, are we just causing rug burns on our chests? Like what is happening here? Um, But the progression that happens now, which sure, a lot of the scenes are a lot more graphic, but then I also feel like the connection to the characters are a lot more flushed out. And yeah. like uh, what has happened with action movies, it, there's an emotional response. There's an emotional responsibility that you see mm-hmm. and feel when you watch these scenes on screen. So it isn't like, oh, that's fucking hot. It's, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, that's what this person's feeling. And oh, fuck there's this really interesting empathy that is, that is delivered with it. So, yeah.
1: yeah. And in a perfect world, you know, we're still at the mercy of like, this is how it is. This is how I want it to look. And you're like, okay, dokey. Sounds great. Sure. Sure. Um, But like, um, I think one of the shows I'm most proud of is um, if you see heels on stars, Um, I was the lead intimacy coordinator for that show. And I got to do the whole run and I kind of got to not really, but this beginning inklings of arc
2: mm. <laughs> with mm. the work, mm. the
1: beginning inklings of arc. Yeah, yeah. And we actually got some, a little bit of rehearsal time, which we very rarely do. Um, but we had some moments of that and, you know, talking with the showrunner and the director, just being like, y'all, I, I know this is how you see it, but just trust me on this camera move. Just like, I, I really think their bodies in this light like, place is going to work and being heard. Yeah. Um. So it was like one of the first shows that like I started to feel like this kind of an arc. Aha, aha. <laughs> so, you know, there's, a, and there's a long way for us all to go. And, you know, intimacy coordination is so new. And what I tell my mentees a lot is, you're just at the beginning of this and we live in the wild west. We're trying to figure out what how this operates on so many different cultures of shows. Sure. And we're trying to navigate all of that. And doing a feature feels so different than an episodic and the culture that you create and and I uh, I'm telling everyone like you just don't know where this is all going to go. Mm-hmm. So it's very it's very uncharted. So all of your feelings are valid because this is so uncharted. We're yep. all still navigating it, but I'm so glad that I was able to kind of help you see like, no, I understand, and everything you say is so valid, but we're not just HR on set. I'm actually a terrible HR person, so <laughs> don't come to me.
0: <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated with it. And, and as a storyteller, I'm also fascinated with um, how – we're perceiving sex and how we're perceiving these scenes on, on screen. Because, you know, there, there was a period of time when I was a kid, there was a period of time where even before that, where sex was the special effect, you know, that was, that was the draw. The fact that the actress was going to take her shirt off was the draw for, for a lot of these movies that were happening. And now that we've progressed beyond that, and now we have this whole generation um, that has access to porn at any point in time and honestly at an yeah. unsafe age to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just did an episode with a porn star and we talked about the specifics of that. Um, I, I think that there's, I feel a sense of responsibility as a storyteller to sort of show the reality behind a lot of this stuff and to try to uh, show a different viewpoint on um, the emotional connection to sex and the emotional response and responsibility that comes with sex the same way that I feel like uh, that happened in a lot of action movies uh, of late Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, here's the emotional response of shooting someone in the face. You're just not gonna run to a room and kill 40 fucking people without some sort of emotional responsibility. And so I, I love this shit. I think it's really fucking cool. And to have you on my team Um, And I can actually express that with you early on and just say, hey, look, let's talk about the emotional connection here. Let's talk about the responsibility that we have to do this. Yeah.
1: And it allows us to that. These conversations then allow us the opportunity to go, hmm, I don't know the answer to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: don't know the truth of that. And then we one thing that's really cool that I've gotten to take advantage of is then I get to, like, give someone who has a perspective like i pay them money to teach me something. Uh-huh. Right. Or we bring them on, you know, if we need like a kink specialist. Right. Cause like, if you are like, tie someone up, I'd be like, I can. However, if we're trying to tell this really specific story, <laughs> right. part of my job is to go, Hmm, that is not only a safety issue, but it's a storytelling issue. Yeah. I think either you need this intimacy coordinator who only does this for this scene. Right. Or we just bring in a specialist for yeah. specificity and not guess around these truths because there's like you were saying, these are people's truths.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and I think the important part of that, I think the, the only way that that's going to really happen on a larger scale, especially when you start getting in the independent world is, is if we legitimize this, this, this job, you know what I mean? Like this, this profession uh, within the industry. And, and, and I know that it's being successful at this point on a studio level and on a TV level but when you start to get into the, as you know, you start to get into the independent world, and you start to ask for extra crew people, the, the fucking producers are just like, what? <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, uh, what, yeah. is, what is the value of this? And I think it's important as a director or a filmmaker that you, or even as an actor, that you understand what this position is and what, and what the potentials of this position are and how it will affect the ultimate outcome of the product. You know, cause then yes. you can further, you can further express that need and, and sell that case to the person that is, you know, paying for the product. Um, yes. So yeah, man, fuck. Yeah. I and think it's some really cool.
1: general resources too, because you know, things cost money and for budgets to alter, to add in additional crew people, right. That takes time, yep. right. Especially if, you know, with the world changing, I know a lot of movies are on hold and are going to probably be filming here soon. And you might be listening to this going, um, crap, (laughs) I could really use some advice. You can also like, I consult a lot of filmmakers, which we just talk about that. And, you know, instead of paying for my onset fee, we just do a consultation. We do some consultation. I talk to the actors. I do some of the prep and I go, do you have the tools you need? Mm -hmm. Everybody got their tools. Hey, wardrobe department, here's some stuff I recommend. Mm-hmm. Here's some stuff I recommend. Here's how you do it. Godspeed. Right. Cause not, you don't always need me on set. Um, uh, not always, especially yeah. if it's somebody, you know, sometimes, or like a sim sex scene that like you catch the end of the scene. Right. And it's not about creating a whole moment you, in the indie world. You might be like, I don't, uh, That's expensive. I can't. Ugh. Um, but this, so those are things you can navigate around. Um, again, there's, it's easy to find intimacy coordinators. Um, a big question in the world right now, you're talking about like the legitimizing this. We're really working on it being a SAG after contract. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I work under a stunt coordinator contract.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when I work on union shows, I do often work non-union, but that tends to be really scary in the studio system when you're Mm non-union because you become, um, the floorboards. Um, so that's really terrifying. (laughs) Sure. Um, sure. But it, so, but there's going to be, um, this year, a SAG after registry of intimacy coordinators who meet all the training requirements. So there's going to be a visible list of required training, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which you can do independently, right? You can do all the stuff on your own and train, 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 or you can do it with a certification group. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do either or, and it will show people who have 25 days or, or so. And you'll have people with 60 days or so. And every year, the number of like registered intimacy coordinators will go up the longer this exists until we get to like a, yeah, to be on the registry, 150 days to say, I've been on sets for 150 days, 150 set days. I'm on this registry. So that way it's becoming less terrifying for producers to navigate. Um, Certification is helpful right now. I was talking to a colleague about gatekeeping Mm -hmm. because there's a good connotation and a bad connotation. And the bad connotation is if you don't have all this specialty stuff, you can't do this job.
2: Right. Right.
1: However, there are also intimacy coordinators working that have said, oh, yeah, well, when I do this, when I do any sort of simulated sex scenes, I also give guys a room that if they need to go off to and like, you know, have a moment, they can go do that. There are people on sets right now who think that's cool <laughs> and fine. And it's like, if that's what the people need to do on your sets on a regular basis, I don't think you're creating very safe sex.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, you know normal physical reactions happen and we we can create space and not shame that because our bodies are just bodies we're just people sure. just old people sure. but making that normal so it's trying to navigate that so certification is helpful and seeing people in certified entities with certified training is helpful right now but hopefully there's a place that is helping not only producers go okay this person's legitimate because they have at least met these things and it has been approved by sag And eventually the goal is it to be a SAG-AFTRA contract. Yeah. Um, that's, that's our goal because we are so mirrored by stunt coordinators that it kind of makes the most sense. And yeah. I don't know how we would fit into the DGA.
0: Right, right, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It totally does. Um, yeah. How are we doing on time? I, we probably should start wrapping this up. Are you okay on time right yeah. now?
1: Yeah,
0: I'm good. Okay, great. Um well all this stuff has been wonderful. Uh let me ask let me ask a question for the listeners that don't work in the industry because there's a lot of folks yeah. that just watch stuff. I have a lot of movie fans that listen to the show. Um, you, yeah. And you know, the magic it is uh is uh, mystifying sometimes. And if you watch <laughs> if you've seen some of these sex scenes on television, you're just like what is going on? Are they just having sex? Like, how is this? Cause it just feels so explicit for, for yeah. the way that they're doing this stuff. And so I think a lot of people don't understand the, uh, the clothing, like the, the, the padding. So like, how does it work for like, what sort of padding exists out there? And is it like a package that you buy for specific things or are you custom making things for scenes? Like,
1: All of the above.
0: Okay.
1: Um, All of the above. One of my favorite, um, like, toolkit items is called an unclockable, Um, and it's actually from. It's a gender affirming tool, and um, it's 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 what's called a tuck kit, and we're using it with people with both vulvas and penises, and from there we add padding. It's basically like a giant piece of KT tape. that sticks to like the lower pubic bone and we can put a, we use soft padding, especially when people are going to be touching each other Mm -hmm. because hard padding can cause actual harm and bruising. And we really want to avoid that. Um, so we have, um, both silicone and like just general, like soft, like think like the, a knee pad, that kind of soft kind of padding Mm -hmm. or silicone. Um, And that can be for both, both types of bodies. Mm -hmm. And they, that's, so that's how we kind of get that like almost naked look. Mm -hmm. We also really utilize a lot of special effects. We have, there's a 360 um, simulated sex scene in Lovecraft country where, um, Ruby is transforming from her white body back to her black body. Mm -hmm. Um, and we actually created barriers out of just underwear that the wardrobe team sewed in batting like pillow batting to them. So they wore that and then they, they sewed uh, a Merkin on the front, which is a pubic hair wig. So all the editing team really did was edit the underwear straps out. Yeah. 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 (laughs) For all of, for all the bodies. So we work with editing teams on what's going to be the easiest to edit out Um, you know, if someone's going to be wet, the unclockable is really great for that. Or sometimes we use something that has like a little clear fishing line to it. So that way someone can just put it on and we won't have to constantly worry about them falling off their bodies. Uh And then we also have exterior padding. Um, I've got like pillows and Pilates balls that I've used the actors I work with tend to not like external padding because they are like, I have to worry about it. It's one more thing. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, But a lot of intimacy coordinators I know are like, Oh my gosh, my actors love external padding. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? So it could be a knee problem. Um, Uh So we have external padding. That's like hidden um, in between folks. Uh And um, especially for like rehearsals, Um, like old school actors tend to used to use like, pillow pillows and now we've got something that's like low profile we can hide it at certain angles and then the last part is like our choreography and it's all stacking so i always say i don't want my actors if we can avoid it hip you know sometimes camera angles don't help us but i don't want people to be hip bone to hip bone
2: mm-hmm.
3: i'd
1: like it to be hamstring to thigh um mm-hmm. or, or or sorry hamstr- hamstring to quad or quad to quad okay. or like let's say we're on a 50 50 shot and I might tell one of the actors to angle their hips towards camera. Yep. Right. And do a pumping motion. So it's kind of going to their, their scene partners, like inner thigh. Right. Or if we're simulating oral sex, we're looking for um, a hand job or some sort of like hand stimulation. We try to give anchor points. So it's like anchor your elbow right on your scene partner's thigh. So Mm -hmm. that way you kind of have like, you're not, your elbow is not going to get wild over there Mm -hmm. or you're going to anchor your temple to their inner thigh. And then you're going to make figure eights with your
2: nose. I want you to make figure
1: eights with your nose. So one thing that I really try to do in my training from Alicia Rodas and all of my, like the team I've learned from in choreography specifically for this is I also try not to give notes of like, Grind. I try not to use those words. We assimilate with With our real life sex. Right. I try to say, "Hey, can you make circles with just your upper body? Just your upper body. Make circles. Wow. All right. For this, go. I want you to make the ABCs. Draw the ABCs with your nose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And immediately that pulls any sort of sexual connotation out of it. We are just like right. right
1: Right. i mentioned it so as you're holding your hand here so anchor your elbow on your team partner's thigh hold i want you to like hold hold your hand like you're holding a coffee a small coffee cup right Mm -hmm. and then i want you to just make with your chin i want you to make ovals towards your hand so it's all it's it's so it's a lot of things like that and you know And it also tries to take it from someone's lived experience because everyone's, you know, especially if we're talking about like a cishet world, not everybody has those experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we don't want to out someone unnecessarily. So that's why it's so important for me to understand what the director wants, because then I can go, okay, I know what that means. Okay. hmm, Let me do a little learning, Uh, do a little learning. Oh, I better understand what this director wants. Cool. Right. And now I have a. I can say, okay, actors, we're going to do this thing as opposed to harder, faster. That sometimes is the case, but it's always not very helpful. Or if you go, can this be sexier? You're like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's, that's directing 101. <laughs> yeah. Where you come in you and you just, can you, can you be sexier? According to whom? <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. And this person's like, I don't feel sexy ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like sexier like, now?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, geez. They're like, I thought this was hot. Uh oh.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then the so it's just
1: understanding like what that means. And sometimes it's like, do you want them to take like a sharper inhale? <laughs> hmm.
2: hmm. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and is it a vocal exhale? <sighs> right. And like, Not all actors are comfortable performing a climax on screen. So if that's something that you want to see, we really need to make sure those people are okay with that. Because sometimes surprising someone with that, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I did not have a good time. Oh boy, I did not have a good time. So it's like all those things and not all the time we can, sometimes you just didn't feel inspired and the scene is going and everybody does it. And then every, you know, you call cut and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, that was wild. Did we just do that? (laughs) That also happens. Right. And everybody's cool with it because it was just like everybody in the room was like, yeah, that was what was going to happen. That's what was going to happen. So yeah. Um, But yeah, that's kind of like how, behind the scenes, how I'm navigating choreography and bodies in space.
0: I fucking love it, man. Um, And, uh, you know, as a director, I think the thing that would scare me is that I wouldn't want it to be like, uh, like a standard toolkit. You know what I mean? Where like, mm-hmm. like I said, you go back and watch those old Showtime movies from the 90s and it's like, there's the grind move, you know, like yeah. you, because sex with everybody is different and every, yeah. every human being has like a different intimate experience. And so you're, for me, I'd be constantly searching for the thing that makes it special. The thing that makes it mm-hmm. specific to these two human beings and specific to these two characters. And I, yeah. it sounds like that would just be the the time that you and I spent together. Where it's just like, how do we not just do alphabet with the nose on this? Could, like, what is the right? What is the different thing that we can do? And and how are you? Are you doing a lot of research all the time on this stuff? Are you like? It like, is
1: yes and no. I'm constantly like learning and. I'm also diving into the things I really don't know. So anything that's in my lived experience, I'm not really like researching,
2: right? Uh, I, right, got, right.
1: I have a lived experience. Okay, cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so it's like constantly learning and it's also really project specific. I, I personally really struggle because I can go down rabbit holes. I have ADHD. So like, if you only go down a rabbit hole, well, I'll go. <laughs> and it, I won't learn what you ask me to learn. Um, I will learn a lot of other things. So for me, it's very much of like, pro- it's very project specific yeah. and I'm always and everything is like, has been a learning experience. And it's like from, it's like, and I do a lot of just like heterosexual heteronormative shows. So it's kind of like where I've been living lately. Yeah. But, um, a lot of times I'll cover on other shows that are not in my own likeness and in my own lived experience. And so it's, it's those days that I go, Ooh, I didn't know a lot about that. I'm going to go learn some more or I get a script and I go, Hmm. Okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right.
1: I got some learning to do. Um, but it really and truly comes from what the directors and what the story is asking me. And if it's something that looks like "Hmm, that is a specialty, Then I pay someone to teach me, or I go, "Hey, production, I think we need a resource." Right, depending on what it is we're trying to achieve. Um, And really, it's been, if anything, I just re-upped my certification, and they, you know, they asked for all the things we've been doing over the past two years, learning and training and blah blah blah. And I was doing all of that, but they wanted to with that wasn't just what you did. They wanted a synopsis of what you've garnered from it. And I was filling out the certification and I was like, you know what this job has taught me more than anything else is to be a tremendous listener and that I'm never, I don't have to be right and I don't have to be wrong. And I just need to like, see what this playing field is and look at the people who are truly playing it. And we're going to go into this make believe world together. And how do we do that? in the most truthful, grounded way we can. And sometimes that sends me off into more learning. Um, And right now I am reading a book about, it's called The Art of Holding Space. Mm -hmm. And I'm really trying to um, get more tools on, again, I've gotten a lot of positive affirmation walking into rooms being like, I feel a deep breath. (sighs) And I want to know more of what that is and to be able to scientifically create that in spaces when I need to. Um,
0: huh. Huh. I'm fascinated by this book. It's called the art of holding space.
1: Yes. I, the person who wrote it is, let me see.
0: Oh, I'll have to look it up. I'm interested.
1: Space by Heather Plett, the art of holding space, a practice of love, liberation and leadership by Heather Plett.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I actually learned about the book. Um, I listen to a lot of parenting podcasts. Sure. Um, um, to grow w- wild children, um, <laughs> basically like wild and resilient people. Like yeah. that's what I want them to be resilient and wonderful. And, and um, this book came up and it's been in my Amazon cart for a thousand years and I bought it and it's now in my work bag to read and my moments in between. So nice. yeah, it's cause I, I, what made me do it is again, it was like, Hmm, something is happening in my work life and I need to know what that is and how can I do it better. So for intimacy work, I'm constantly learning it because it's required. Um, You know, our anti-racism training, our bystander training, but all of that has really just taught me that I just need to be a really good listener and be open to the information I'm receiving.
0: See, you said that a few seconds ago too. And I feel like no matter who I have on the show from this industry, they hit a certain point in their career where I I don't know if it's a certain amount of hours on on set or if it's like a certain amount of years clocked in as a human being where they hit this sort of this moment that you're having, which is that, which is like, I'm not always right. It's about listening. It's about being uh, in the moment. Um, And it's sort of, it's this like transcending moment that we have um, Mm -hmm. that, A, makes us – it washes away a lot of anxieties and a lot of stresses that we would bring to something and bring to a project or bring to how we do something with insecurity. Um, It washes that away, and it transcends into really enjoying the work and creating uh, an unexpected work that is very difficult to plan for. Um, And it's it's nice to hear you say that too because – it's definitely this moment of growth that doesn't matter who I talk Mm -hmm. to, whether it's a fucking production designer or it's an actor or if it's a a sound person, once you get past, (laughs) once you get through your twenties and your early thirties, then you start to understand this. You've had enough time. You start to realize that uh, what it is that you need as a human being and what it is that you do well and what it is that you like. Um, Mm -hmm. And in our career, it's about recreating life. It's about creating life. It's about creating characters and creating environments in which life can flourish. Um, and yeah. I think I think that what I love about this industry is that the older you get, the better you get. And it it, it really, yeah. really shines in, in the film.
1: Yeah, it really does. And I think, especially when we're dealing with Hollywood, right? As a filmmaker, you can't not be Hollywood. Like, I don't live in hollywood anymore (laughs) but i work in hollywood that's like all i do and you touch this dream and you realize that everybody's just a person (laughs) (laughs) and yes and you're just like oh hold hold on hold on a minute and you realize that you battle and you try to show up and there's this rigidity and just being like i'm good enough i'm i am i am i'm good enough and There's this nervousness to get called back and then you start getting called back and you start realizing it's not only because your skill, yes, which you're constantly working on, right? If you really love this stuff, you're constantly working on yourself, but then you realize that people are hiring you because you're you,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: what you bring. and And if you're listening to this and you're just like, no, I still feel like I'm battling to even just get the call. You are. Like that's I feel like that's all part of it. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs>
1: yes. You just have to get to this place and like and honestly to too, um I was working uh, I'm the stunt coordinator for the Never Hike Alone series and the our director Vin, Vincent DeSanti, he was like, Jess Because I was really rigid for like a week on set because I was just like fighting people. (laughs) And I was so frustrated. Yeah. And we get through and we're talking just like we are now, right? And I just talk like myself. And he's like, You really have to battle and fight to be heard, don't you? Yeah. And it paused me because it was somebody who saw right through me.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And I was like, Yep. Yeah, I really do. I really do, and it was one of the it was one of the things that kind of set me off on a different path of like, hmm, they see through this, and this obviously is not me, and it doesn't feel like me. Yeah. I- so I need to look into that, and it, and, and honestly, that's what got me. I was training in intimacy work and interested in it before I got the job. Because I was really, in what got me this this story, I was prepping fire burns. I was in Saskatchewan, Canada, mm-hmm. Saskatoon, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I was with my friend, Rachel Flesher. He was an intimacy coordinator and one of my first mentors. And we were prepping fire burns. We prepped 50 fire burns that day. Wow. And it was cold outside and my hands were frozen. And, you know, we've got a timetable and these people are going to be really cold. So I'm just like super focused.
0: Yep. And, and very stressed, I'm late- sure very so stressed.
1: stressed and you know, it's like getting your skivvies, put this gel on. This is what we're going to do. And, we, and you talk through it a little bit and take a deep breath. Rachel took an additional two seconds to say, hi, my name is Rachel. This is Jessica. We're going to get you prepped today. You're going to be in your underwear. Do you want to tell someone to hold a towel for you?
2: Mm-hmm. 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 It
1: took no extra time. And I saw people's walls crumble. Yeah. To prep fire burns, y'all, like nothing remarkable. (laughs) And I called Rachel after we finished all of that. And I said, that was magic and I wanna do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really got into the work because I was like, I wanna, this is obviously makes people feel safe. People immediately trusted us to prep their fire burn better because we gave a shit about who they are as people. And I and then you know s- six months later uh, I had gotten back from a job in Indonesia and I started doing this work legitimately and was kind of thrust into it in such a way that was really jarring and I what you know nobody was ready because HBO was like every show must have an intimacy coordinator
2: <laughs> right 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 period
1: and we were like there are fifty in the world like I was one of the first fifty in the world
2: yeah it's crazy and
1: <laughs> right and you was like uh oh.
2: Uh (laughs) Um,
1: luckily it was just HBO. So like really no one else was doing it. Stars was doing it a little bit, which is now stars Lionsgate, but now they require it. So now that there's actual people trained, you know, more and more, it's just becoming feasible, but that's what got me into this work is because I wanted to, I realized like I could just be a really dope person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now we're always learning, right? You always have like yeah. I I've had moments like that moment that you had too. And moments where you know, uh I think I'm coming off a certain way and then someone t- talks to me and I'm not and those moments are always fascinating for me because it's an ego blow. You know what I mean where you're just sort of sitting there going, "Fuck, I thought I was doing a good job with this." And so then yeah. you 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 have to uh you I f- I feel like the only way to stay current and safe is that you're constantly like assessing the situation. You're constantly looking around and you're constantly yeah. trying to, I always say it's, it's, it's trying to live in the gray, you know, you're always living in the middle and you're trying to not go too far, black or white to not go like, with my years of experience, this is the way it's fucking supposed to happen. And you know, and you get, you become that asshole, you know, like you're, you're always trying to figure out a way to sort of see both sides of the story. It's fucking exhausting, but you're always looking around going like, okay, how, how are people responding to what I'm communicating to them? And, um, yeah. A funny little story about that was uh, when I was doing independent work, like independent commercials or smaller things, mm-hmm. and I think I've said this before on the show, but um, uh, I they wouldn't often hire a an assistant director. It would be a very small shoot. And so yep. I, I would end up having to take on the role of telling people what to do next and where they would go. And so they started to get tired of my voice because yeah. I was also delivering direction and inspiring direction and everything. And then I found that like by hour eight, people hated to hear my voice. And yeah. it, so I, I was just like, fuck this. <laughs> like, we need to have an assistant director. I need to have someone else. And and even with my assistant directors, I joked with my favorite. And I said to him, like, you need to make an app in which you <laughs> give commands and so that I could just hit that button. <laughs> <laughs> so that they don't hear my voice. It's um, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And so for you to have that that moment where you can observe it's it's is really enlightening and smart of you to actually see that. Because you can yeah. you see what words do to somebody. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's the most interesting aspect of what our job is is like how do words affect people around you yeah you know it's cool shit yeah it's really cool it is it's Mm -hmm. so cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) this has been wonderful we've gone a little long but it has been worth it um i am fully into an intimacy coordinator at this point Uh, I love it. I, I love the, the options that are available. I love the opportunity to create. Um, and more than anything, I love the idea that it is also something that is being trained that is being certified. I like all of that. Um, and I also like your, your outlook on it, which is like learn to be a filmmaker too. So that way you, you are also taking on the burden that I have as a director where it's like, I get it, but we also need to make this a a watchable scene. This also has to play the way that it works on on paper. Um, Yeah. Very cool shit, man. Very cool shit. Yeah. Uh, Well,
1: I'm, I'm so thrilled. And anytime to sit down and geek out about like making stuff, you know, it's, like all I want to do is talk about making movies and then go like make movies. That's like all I want to do. And then like ride horses and go home. Like that's end of list. If that's like, if I could just like talk to people and like excite people to go do cool stuff and then like show up and go do it, I'd be like,
0: Cool. <laughs> the best. Me, you and me both. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. It's a curse. When I don't do it, I'm like going through withdrawals. I'm like, what am I doing yeah. with my life?
1: <laughs> right. Then the worthlessness sets in, and you're like, oh no. Uh, like yeah. I literally have like a week and a half off, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm done in the I'm done in the business. Everyone hates me. Oh, God. dude, I'm so silly,
0: dude. I've had like uh, fucking two years off, you know, with COVID and everything, and like production yeah. slowing down, and you just sort of hit this point where you're like you're trying to manage your life a little bit, and you're like, am I am I depressed? I'm depressed, and how do I process no. this? And it's, it's, you know, when we when we do what we do, which, when you finally get to a point when you're on a set that's magical, you are mm-hmm. just fighting every day of your life to get back onto that set again. You're just fighting for yeah. that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I hear your passion. You sound very passionate about this stuff.
1: Um, well, thank you because I am. I'm glad <laughs> it translates.
0: <laughs> well, but as we as we leave the show, um, this is usually where I ask a guest to give a little advice. If hmm, let me ask an interesting question here. If if you're if 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 a young director is listening to the show, right, and mm-hmm. they uh want to create how do I do this let me do this quickly if if a young director is listening to the show and they are going to do an explicit sex scene um Mm -hmm. is it what do you suggest how do you suggest they translate their ideas to you like what what works best for you
1: um oh gosh (laughs) there's so many answers to this but I would say more than anything if you want like something explicit right? And you're saying, I want to show the most nudity I can show. I want to show, I want to be in the scene as long as I can be in it. The first question you need to ask yourself is be a toddler and say, why, 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 why? And really be able to understand like, why do you want to do that? Other than you just want to put it on your directing reel, right? Because it's going to be hard to get an actor to get excited about your directing reel. Right. So really understand the whys of why you're wanting to encounter that so badly. Is it something you're trying to answer? Is there a story within yourself that you're trying to justify? Right. Because that's storytelling. Right. Is what is this? But also showing up to work. Right. Writing and creating is can be therapeutic. But once we get to work and associate other people's bodies in that work, it can no longer truly be like your emotion. Mm -hmm. We have to kind of separate the two because this is intimate work is never not intimate. It's never not emotional. And those actors are going to be going through whatever you put their bodies through. Their body does not know the difference between it being real and fake. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. ask yourself the why you're wanting this content. So that way you can really have a solid footing of like where we're going to go and explore, because whatever you ask these actors to do, their bodies are going to fully experience it. Period. End of story. Our bodies don't know the difference between real and fake. So really understand the whys and ask for help. And also cutaways are your best friend. You don't need to show everything. You can also be super creative and you know, you, I would say really, this is where you get to also heighten your camera skills because you may not also be able to afford both emotionally and in your wallet, the amount of effort it takes to do those kinds of scenes in a close set does take extra time
2: mm-hmm. from
1: your day. Mm-hmm. Things do not happen as quickly. So if you're going to take care of your actors, know that time is money and prep is time, all of that. So really ask yourself why, get down to the nitty gritty of it really make a plan, understand that your actors are going to go through some ish that day, right? So maybe not schedule the next most emotional pivot scene of your whole movie, the next scene, right? That seems unfair. And really take into account what it is you're asking and then really be a leader, right? We can have good leaders and kind leaders and assertive leaders. That's all part of being a leader when it comes time to direct that scene.
0: There it is. I'm genuinely. When you listen to this episode, you hear me understanding in real time. You hear me processing this stuff in real time. I think that's why I'm quiet for a lot of this episode because I'm genuinely fascinated by this stuff, and and uh, I, I really wanted to put, you know, sort of an investigative nose into this interview and sort of sniff out whether or not. Everything felt legitimate to me, and and Jessica's the real deal, man. Like she knows what she's talking about. Um, all of her input and her experiences are apparent uh, as she as she as she speaks her way. Wow, Mike. Speaking of speaking, get your mouth to fucking work. As she talks her way through this episode, Um, I love it, man. I look to summarize how I feel about it now. I see her in this role as a tool. Okay. And I think that maybe I was a bit hesitant initially because I didn't want there to be a distraction between myself and the actors. And I didn't want there to be uh, that slow train that runs through. And oftentimes, I guess, let me be more specific about it the difference between working on indie stuff on my level that i've done in the past and then the union jobs that i've done in the past is that there's a lot of positions in a union job that are justified by a title they do really good work and if a union uh, crew runs like a well-oiled machine you can get a lot fucking done but union crews also can run very fucking slow and they can slog and bog down stuff and so for me, hearing that there was a title like this initially, I was like, oh, fuck. Is this going to continue to slow down things? And now is this going to put a barrier between me and my talent? Um, and uh, after having this conversation, I don't see it that way. I really don't. I see it as a benefit. And, and going back to the way I opened up the show and talked about my first sex scene, I wish I had uh, Jessica with me on that. Because I think that the scene would have been better I think I would have been able to get more solid performances from it. And I was lucky the people that I worked with were so chill and so down to earth and uh, they were willing to sort of go through this awkward experience with me. But let's be real, it was awkward. And when you watch these sex scenes on screen and they look so sexy after you put music in and the lighting works and the camera angles are perfect and then through editing you find like the most perfect gasp for air, the most perfect well-lit eyes and glances and and the most perfect curvature of sweat pouring. All that stuff makes those scenes super sexy. When you're on fucking set, they're awkward, strange. They sound weird. They're just weird. They're just weird and uncomfortable. They are, no matter what, and to make to break that barrier to me is exciting. To actually make it into fun, to make it into open and honest fun, the same way you would for an action sequence. The same way when I talk with uh, stunt coordinators on the show, how they pull out their little matchbox cars and they figure out the whole scene on the ground before they get the drivers into the vehicles. You know, that's the same kind of thing I want to do with this. And I think that once you have an environment that feels safe and creative and when, (laughs) because the truth of the matter is, is that actors aren't honest with you all the time because actors are concerned about keeping their job. Actors are concerned about the insecurities that come with their job and they don't necessarily want to be honest with the director all the time. Because if they're honest with the director, then they're going to feel insecure right? They're going to feel inadequate. Like, I don't know how I'm feeling about this, where, you know, because of the, the process of casting is so fucking cutthroat. You know what I mean? That carries over onto set. So if there's someone in between me and them that we'll walk in the room after i go in and say this is such a great sequence and this is all oh, this is exciting stuff that we're going to do and the actors go yeah 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 yeah," and they go yeah and you are you comfortable like what if we have you topless are you really cool with this and she's like oh yeah yeah of course and she has that look on her eyes where she's like i want to impress this guy yes yeah yeah, 100 and i turn to the other actor and it's like are you okay with like when you get out of bed like maybe we could see your penis as you walk through the room and he's like of course for the art you know and he has those wide eyes and then i walk out of the room feeling completely confident because i'm like wow i did my job i've conveyed it what i needed and they seem so fucking like into it right this is great and then (laughs) and then the intimacy coordinator could go in there and then go i feel awkward about this and i'm afraid to tell him and then she can come tell me or he can come tell me i love that (laughs) i'd love that take it from a guy who directed a movie in a language that he doesn't speak Okay. Take it from someone that had two translators on set that were not only translating the words that I sent to them and that the actor said back to me, but they were also acting as an emotional liaison for me where they would sit there and go, look, this is what he said, but I, I think he's feeling a little weird about this and this and this, right? It's nice. It's really nice. I love this idea. I fucking love this idea. I'm so happy that I had Jessica on the show. I'm so happy that I understand more about it. And honestly, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't pass judgment on this thing, you know? And th- that that is something that, you know, I sh- try so hard not to do. And in this world that we live in right now, that is like uh, social media chaos, clickbait fucking chaos, like emotional cranked up to a hundred chaos. Everybody needs to have their own like unformed opinions said loudly and pushed at you. And I need to push my opinions down your fucking throat world that we live in. It's easy to forget that all we have to do is talk to somebody that does it. All we have to do is ask questions and get a little bit of time with these folks and learn from them before we put them in a fucking box and stick them on a shelf. You know what I mean? I don't know, uh, on the risk of ranting. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I sure as hell did. This is an incredibly educational episode for me. And I feel like I walked out of the back end of this uh, a better director because of it, personally. Um, and it, just for the small details, like the different padding skills that they have and like making a figure eight with your nose. I wonder now if we're going to be able to watch these shows and not think that 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 person's just making a figure eight with their nose. (laughs) That's the, that's the wonder. I wonder if we've ruined sex scenes for you. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, thank you for listening. Lots of great episodes on the way. Uh, The show is nothing without you, the listener. Please, if you like the show, uh, follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchi. Follow the podcast on a uh, Love of the Process pod on Instagram. Um, but also tell five of your friends about this show today. If you like this episode and find it fascinating, tell five of your friends about it. And it's not just for filmmakers. Okay? It's not just for filmmakers and actors. I hope you guys learned something today as just moviegoers and how fascinating and strange the process of creating sex scenes are. I don't want to ruin the illusion of film for you. And then we try not to do that on the show, but it's also interesting to understand what goes into the stuff that we just consume like fucking snack bags of chips at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting to understand the level of detail, the amount of time, the amount of commitment, the blood, sweat and tears that go into a program like this before we just drop some bullshit review online or before We just sort of write something off uh, online. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I hope you guys enjoy it. That's it. I'm going to leave you now. Uh, I'm going to shut up and uh, walk out of here. But uh, I'll be back. You'll see me next Tuesday.